You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. And we're back here with the Oz Network. We are continuing our coverage of Nip Tuck. We're up to season four, episode ten. We're into double figures already. Um, this is just flying by, and what's well, been something of a surprising season. So, uh, looking forward to getting into you know one of the most interesting episodes to talk about. Uh, episode ten, Meryl Bovlet, um, directed by. Charles Hayde, uh, Ryan Murphy's got a writing credit on this one. I'm not sure if he actually wrote it or if it's just because he's the creator. Uh, Sean Jablonski is also there as well. So um, looking forward to, to going through all the uh, the fun that we've got here in this episode. I'm Nick, and uh, I need an anal retread. knew you were going to steal that one around. Um, my name is better. Uh, my name is better. My name is Ben. <laughs> and... I'm reading my quote already. My name is Better, and I'll look Ben when the swelling goes down. <laughs> yes, it's uh, it's a quote tastic episode. This one, I feel like, um, and you know, if, if anything's going to get you excited about this episode, it's going to be um, the previously on Nip Tuck, which ah. you know gives us some flashback ep- um, scenes from the pilot episode. So you know, we're in for something quite unique and different when we're kind of going right back to season one, episode one. To, to kind of set the scene for this one. So, yeah, I mean, if, if you didn't know what was coming in this episode, um, I think you were, you were in for quite the surprise. This episode has everything. I mean, yeah, you're right. Like, the previously sells it itself, and then, you know, with all the Escobar stuff, the Merrill stuff, like, forget, I didn't even mention this at the end of last week. We've got some Kimber and Matt stuff. Like, it's just, there's just everything going on in this episode. Um, and, like... To me, this is a case of, if people think season four of Nip Tuck is boring, I'm going to make you watch this episode. Um, because, like, there's one thing you can say about this episode. It's not boring. That's one thing, definitely. It's just got so much going for it. But, um, yeah, I mean, this is our last ever Joey Slotnick slash Meryl Bobblehead appearance, so we should, I think, at some point memorialise him, because particularly we've had Joey Slotnick on this show. But um, outside of that, obviously, Escobar, as I said, just, God, any time we get him, so good and... There's just so much in this episode. I just love this episode so much. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's just a top top level episode. This one, I think, it's um, you know, I think there is just so much to unpack in this episode, and it kind of it's that you know has that real good line between the nostalgia that you get and um, then going into, you know, what's to come next uh, because it kind of sets up where we're kind of heading next. So yeah, no, I, I really enjoy it. I agree with you, Nick, and um, you might have kind of answered my question about what I don't know how you feel about this episode. So, anyway. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a, it's it's certainly a um, a pretty explosively charged one. So, it's yeah, I, th- I think you've got to kind of um, be interested in this one. Um, but anyway, we, we kind of start off with um, Kim and Matt are, are at the offices, and um, they've gotten married. Um, so... Um, yeah, that was that was sudden and, and unexpected, and, and then all of a sudden we find out that um, Kim is pregnant as well. So talk about starting on a high note. It's it's because I always forget kind of how quickly this happens because I, I know this happens, but I always forget that it's just kind of a case of we see them basically hook up once, and then next minute they're married and expecting a baby. Um, which is kind of interesting. Like when we spoke to John Hensley about how I said like you know Matt doesn't really have a whole lot to do in season four. And he really doesn't. Like, he kind of, this is just Matt's storyline, is he gets involved with Kimber and gets married and, you know, kind of back and forth there. But, um, yeah, it's... The one thing, like, can I just point out that Kelly Carlson just looks beautiful here. She looks so good in kind of that outfit and the way her hair is and 
you know, I just think she looks better kind of almost like this professional looking woman as she kind of did before when she was like, you know, kind of how we first meet Kimber and she, her acting just has improved even more. Not that she's ever a bad actor, but can we just always reiterate that Kelly Carlson is not an actor. She was never an actor before she came into Nip Tuck. She was a model. Uh, so she just, you just cannot tell. I feel horrible. Like I always have that notion of models can't act. They just get employed because they're purely good looking. Uh, and I think the majority of the evidence in movies and TV stands by that. But Kelly Carson is a rare exception for that. Um, but yeah, I, I love this whole sequence again. It's just kind of just the way, you know, Sean and Christian are just going off and, uh, you know, yelling at Matt and just, uh, you know, obviously her sort of, um, just even the, the, the reveal of them being pregnant, you know, that she wants her breast implants out and, yeah, I, I just, I just look kind of. This is just the whole episode. It just starts off so good, and it's just, it's out of the blue, but it just, it works. Yeah, and I think, um, you, you know, it's kind of a really good start to this episode as well. And and, and you know, I totally agree with what you're saying about Kelly Carlson. I think, um, you know, just an incredible actress. Um, but yeah, what I find really interesting about this is it's kind of you know, um, you know, Matt's kind of a passive character. He's in the background while you know, like you say, the two doctors and Kimber kind of yell at each other. So yeah, I, you know, and. I, I find that really interesting. Um, it, it's kind of unexpected, and yeah, I mean, one of the things that I that I have talked a lot about is that um, I don't like it when these kind of storylines come out of nowhere a little bit. And I guess the last time we saw these two, they were basically just hooking up for the first time, and now they're married. So yeah, it, it's pretty weird, but um, it, it is quite often as a case on that tuck. It works anyway. Yeah, no, I I agree. I I completely agree. But, yeah, but the reason they're actually here. You know, at, at the surgery is because uh, Kimber wants to breastfeed naturally and, and wants to have the implants removed. Now, I mean, I don't know much about this kind of thing, um, but um, I would assume that um, her breasts have undergone some some fairly serious trauma. Um, you know, with how much you know we've had implants go in, implants come out, implants go back in again. I'm not entirely sure that uh, that she's in a fit state to be breastfeeding um, even with those implants out. I don't know. It, it seems like a bit of a stretch to me, but um, yeah, it's um. I don't have the medical knowledge to know one way or the other. We we really do need a medical consultant just on freaking Noz Network here, just like they would in the show. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. Like, I mean, we kind of went over that, I think, at the beginning of this season when Kim is back into it. Like, she's made a miraculous recovery from those horrible deformities that she got from the Carver last season. Um, it's, it's a wonder to me that Escobar doesn't have a perfect recovery in this episode compared to, you know, what he's got, gets done to him. But I mean, again, this is, you know, subtle little things that you kind of just got to pass over for a show like this, um, that, you know, it's what, 80% realistic, 70% realistic, maybe, um, certain things will always kind of fall by the wayside, particularly in a, you know, next season when somebody gets stabbed multiple times and he's basically okay (laughs) after a few episodes. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is kind of one of those things. That I agree with you. Like her boobs are munted; they're gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's, you know that's going to kind of set us up for uh, you know a little bit more. And, and I mean, this is to be honest, we're now setting up what what's going to be Matt, Matt and Kimber's major storyline for you know the next little while. This is these two are going to be an established couple for some time now. Um, so this is kind of you know we're starting this off, and, and you know there's going to be a baby involved here now, and. Yeah, things are going to take a few turns along the way, but this is probably the most and, and stable's the wrong word, but at least we have Matt in one place with one person for a while now. Well, even with Kimber, this is kind of really the most stable we will see these two because they're kind of in and out, sort of here and there from this season. But without spoiling it, next season they ain't that stable. <laughs> so um, yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's it's weird with Matt to sort of, like, as you say, like, yeah, it's kind of stable, Matt. And, like, by all things right now, we're really not seeing a whole lot of, like, Scientology craziness that we would get portrayed in the media. So, I mean, that's the kind of thing I said once in this sort of season. It's like, it's not like they completely paint the most absolute negative light on Scientology. But, um, yeah, it's it's still, he's, he's, he's well-dressed. He's in a stable relationship. You know, he's kind of pussy-whipped by this woman. But, yeah, I, I think kind of... Just, just don't get used to this poor Matt. <laughs> Hashtag poor Matt. We think we're exaggerating this. Just go and listen to our John Hensley interview to spoil yourself what happens in five and six with this kid. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> it, is, it definitely is poor Matt, but um, it is um, Matt in one place for a while. And so at least I like that because I think we, we kind of need that with me just because he's been jumping all over the place. And now at least we're going to have one person that he's attached to um, and we can kind of focus on a storyline for a little while because it, it does almost feel like what's the storyline for, you know, who's the person for Matt this season and um, it's nice that we're, at least we're in one place, I guess, is what I'm enjoying. But, um, yeah, we, we can talk about that a little bit more as we go along. We, we kind of go back to the, the McNamara residence and, and Sean is painting over Marlowe's mural. We find out that Marlowe's gone. Um, he's he's left the employment, strangely enough, of the McNamaras. Um I do like the one little camera angle where you see Sean kind of painting over the camera, you know, which yeah. I quite like. Um, but, yeah, so Julia's not happy about it. Um, yeah, <laughs> this is kind of Sean being kind of passive-aggressive Sean at his best, I suppose. Yeah, I, I love that shot too of the camera. I love I love it when kind of shows are creative and do things like that. Um, but, you know, yeah, just... this Jolly Richards is really getting on my grains again, just, you know... The way she's just like, oh, I wish you'd ask me first. And, like, Sean's reaction, like, he's absolutely right. Like, I didn't think I needed permission to paint a wall in my house. Um, yeah, so just, yeah. you know, like, it's kind of... Sean knows what she's doing, but she hasn't gotten the proof. Um, like, it's just... I love kind of just the reactions in this episode, what will happen kind of with the big reveal around Sean... Uh, sorry, around Julia and, and Marlo. And then even we get just the, the way that's revealed with Sean and, and Monica... I mean, this episode serves as a perfect setup to next week as well. Whether you hate or love next week's episode, this is just an amazing lead-up into what ultimately we get with it. It's a great character episode for Sean, uh, and it's a great one for Christian too. Kind of just the way this is what's so good about this episode is just Sean's got all this stuff kind of interchanging with Escobar, and he's kind of dealing with Matt, but then Christian's dealing more so with Matt because he's got the Kimber stuff to go on. So like as a character episode for our main two, it's just so good because there's so many layers to what these two have to deal with in this episode. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's good. It's it's one of those ones. It's it's almost a little bit of a transitionary episode, but and sometimes those are the ones that drag or that don't have as much meat behind them. Whereas this one, it, just, it doesn't feel like that. It feels like it, it, it. There is so much good stuff here that you kind of forget that that's kind of what it's doing. Um, and, and then we kind of move into this this surgery scene, the "Don't worry, be happy" surgery scene. <laughs> um, we you know Christian and Sean are kind of offloading, and we're getting a little bit of exposition here where we find out that Bert is definitely dead in case that was um, in any question. You know, Michelle's back spreading his ashes, and you know they sent flowers, which is always very nice. Um, so yeah, I mean, we, we kind of um, just getting a little bit of a, a, um, a download of, of important information here. Um, you know, we find out about Christian finds out about the uh, the affair between Julia and Marlo. Um, yeah, so you know, I think that that's. Um, yeah, this is kind of one that's just kind of downloading us with information, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to have that line about um, Bert because I guess kind of, as I sort of said last week, it's 
it's not really fully explored whether he's dead or not. Like, I know it's kind of implied, but just the way he kind of is, you just think, oh, maybe he's just unconscious and she's just going to chop a kid, you know what I mean? Whereas, yeah. um, this is, this seals it. Like, he dead. You know, he's spreading his yeah, ashes exactly. back in funeral, uh, funeral, back in Houston. Um, yeah. so... And obviously the, the other little important bit of information we get as well is that Christian's convinced that he's the father of Kimber's baby. Um, so yeah, we, we kind of get that little set up as well. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I, I like kind of just Christian's cockiness around this, you know, just the way he's um, going on about, this is my baby. Uh, and then what, what's uh, what's that line from Sean when he's like, have you ever had a baby that somebody else didn't think it was theirs or something like that just storms off? Uh, which is a very good point because you think about it like there's Matt, there was Wilbur, uh, and now obviously there's possibly Kimber's baby. So, yeah, good good call there. By Sean's on fire so far this episode. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, it is really good. And uh, then we get um, another one of our, our famous um, cases of the reception staff or the security <laughs> or whatever at, at McNamara Troy. Ben, can these guys not get swipe cards on the door, for God's sake? <laughs> I mean, how hard is it? Um, you know, and obviously they get a, a rather surprise visit from um, from Meryl Bobblet, of all people. Our beloved Joey Slotnick. Um, yeah, and like yes. this, I mean, it's sad that it's his last ever appearance, but it's kind of... It's similar to, like, I guess, the Mrs. Grubman thing that you could kind of just have it where Mrs. Grubman, that's it. You don't need to come back, but it's a great way of bringing her back. I like how they bring Meryl back because, again, Meryl's story could have concluded easily in season two with the whole, you know, Madame Rose's thing and all that sort of stuff. It would have been a perfect end for him, but I, I like that they bring him back and it doesn't feel forced because kind of just this whole storyline that we get within this episode, it, it helps us get Escobar back and it's just kind of, it's it's believable for Meryl's character. Um so I love it. I love that. But like, you're so right. Like, whether or not this guy is a doctor, or he can be like, oh, I know Christian, I know Sean. Like, this guy's a convicted felon. He's like freaking just. He should be in jail right now. Like, you know, Christian's like shocked that you're out. You know. So like, at the end of the and like as he said, the last time I saw you, you held a knife. Like, what is it with Christian and letting people back into his life who like tie him up and like have knives on his face? Like Kimber now, uh, Meryl. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, they really do need some security in this bloody, uh, no wonder they moved to LA. Uh, <laughs> yeah, security yeah. in Miami's not good enough. <laughs> Maybe Christian's like a secret kind of Fifty Shades of Grey guy. He just actually likes to be tied up. So anybody that's doing <laughs> yes. that, he, he's actually really enjoying it. But yeah, so I mean, we kind of get the, the, the backstory here of, you know, um, Meryl's, you know, managed to save himself in, in prison by becoming basically a prison wife. Um, and, you know, um, we, we kind of find out that, you know, his, his prison husband has, has kind of, you know, been so brutal on him that he, as my opening line said, he needs an anal retread. Um, and, you know, then we get the reveal that, that, you know, the husband tattoos his name onto the, onto the wife and, um, it's Escobar. And, um, yeah, I mean, this is, this is a great reveal. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It sets us up really well. I mean, great. Props to Joey Slotnick here for his acting, because I kind of like the bit where, you know, we're getting the reveal about, like, what happened, how are you out so early, uh, and then he kind of reveals that he basically became a prison bitch, and, you know, like, he became a rat, and, you know, he's like, oh, you're the lowest of pond scum, and, you know, you're treated like, and, he's, you know, Christian's kind of just had enough. He's just like, I don't give a shit, man, just like, whatever, and then, obviously, we kind of just get this, like, they raped me repeatedly. Um, and it's just, you know, just the line when he's like, you know, I can't leave the house without fear of shitting my pants. You know, it's just like, it's, it's just so like, you know, props to Joey Slotin, great acting and just, you know, Christian's reactions as well. Like, yeah, he can't sort of just be a dick at this point because, you know, he's obviously opening him up that way. But, um, yeah, it's, um, I love it when he's like, oh, you want to see who my husband is? And he's like, oh, not really. And he pulls down his pants and you see it. 
Um, and then, yeah, just like obviously the big reveal here that, you know, uh, I'll blab about what happened to your friend in the Everglades. Uh, and again, just kind of great season one flashback to first episode flashback as well. So, um, yeah, no, I think it, I think it is great. Yeah, it's one of those things as well as, you know, what's the evidence that they've got on these guys? I do kind of wonder that, you know, um, I think that was a pretty, if nothing's kind of come to light by now, it it feels like that was a, you know, the perfect crime almost, you know, that they probably will have gotten away with that if it hasn't been revealed yet. So, yeah, I'm not sure how much I I kind of buy that they've actually got anything over the two doctors, but you never know. Um, But, yeah, I mean, we're we're getting more of that classic setup that we get in these episodes and um, and we kind of move on and... and, um, I mean, I, I I do love the scene that we get next, which is, you know, Sean confronting Marlowe in his apartment. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just so great. You know, it's the, just the way it's teased out. Um, you know, Sean kind of plays dumb that he doesn't know, um, you know, who, who Marlowe's after and, and all that kind of thing. And then eventually just basically comes out with it, you know, are you having an affair with my wife? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's good. It's, it's really good. Um, I don't know what you want to add about the scene. I think it's just... Some great acting on on both parts. I think they really play into the fact that Marlowe is the short person because you you get a lot of shots where Sean is using his height to kind of almost feel like an intimidating character. Um, So I think that they make the most of that as well. So, yeah, I mean, there isn't anything I don't like about this. I I agree with everything. I think I love that moment when, like, you know, he's just, yeah, kind of being intimidating and the way that... um, you know, Marlo's like, you want to hit me? And then he climbs up on that stepladder and is like, what about now? Would this make you feel like a man? Um, which is just, just it's so tense because it's kind of like, the thing which is interesting about this whole storyline with Marlo is that on the grand scheme of things, I don't feel like it is made such a big deal that he is a little person, if you know what I mean. It's kind of just like the subtle things of last episode. Well, not really subtle last episode. It was kind of not subtle about him wanting the leg lengthening thing. It might be an issue with Julia. But even kind of like the way he opens up when he first meets him, he's like, I know what you're going to say. Like, people have a problem with it, me being a male nurse. Uh, you know, just kind of the way he kind of does that. Uh, but I just kind of like, yeah, I love this sort of, just the way they sort of have this stare down. But the thing that I kind of think, like, I love, I love Sean's, like, his thing here where he's like, he's staring him down. He's going to punch him. I pan it over your mural. And he walks out. <laughs> I just love that. It's just like, yeah, fuck you. I painted over your mural. <laughs> like, that's... Well, but I, it's, it's not meant to be funny, kind of but it's just, it's just the way... Yeah, it fits with the character. Like, it's not meant to be funny, but it's just the way it kind of happens. I just I just love it. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think that's really good. Um, but then we move into the scene where, um, you know, the two doctors go to the, the I guess, the, what do you call it, the prison infirmary. Um, the music, you know, I just interrupting you, the music, the way the music interchanges here is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, no, it's all good stuff, eh? Um, and, and, you know, so they go to see Escobar, who's who's in this infirmary, and he's, he's he burnt himself, he got burnt, I mean, I, I get a bit confused, I forget, because... At this we point, find out later we on. don't know that yeah. he's done it himself, this point it's kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, it's really good, and, and obviously he's saying, look, you know, if I've burnt myself this badly, um, I'm stuck in here forever, I want to go back to looking how I looked before, so I want you guys to do the reconstruction and, and make me look how I was before. Um, now, I guess there's a little bit of confusion here about exactly what happened, like, because obviously we don't find out, you know, the, the end of season one is that, you know, they, they turn him into um, looking like another prisoner who's on the run, who we find out was, you know, um, who shot an FBI agent who was chasing him because he was a pedophile more or less which we didn't um, know that i think i think like all we no, saw all- 
was that he killed a federal agent. That's all we saw on that rap sheet. We didn't know why. So I kind of like this background of the fact that, yeah, he killed a federal agent because he was a pedophile. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think it's, and basically what we're saying is, you know, um, Escobar saying I'd rather be in here for for what I committed than um, what he committed because that's the worst kind of crime you can commit, you know, to other prisoners. Um, But, you know, this is the bit I don't quite understand is that, you know, after he got arrested, did he then confess to who he was? Because surely his, I don't know if we talked, did they change his fingerprints? I don't know if they did that, um, you know, and, and at the end of the day, he'd be able to give a DNA sample, um, which would prove who he really was. So that bit's not particularly clear. I'm not entirely sure it's important, um, but it is, you know, I think it's worth noting that is this just a simple case that they could just make him look like he was, he'd stay in prison, um, you know, I, I guess probably you're relying on this being an actual a, a believable story for the rest of the episode to kind of play out in a way that's satisfying. Look, I think there's definitely plot holes to this that kind of don't make sense. Like, because I think we went over this in that episode. Like, how is it that he gets arrested and he doesn't, like, say, like, hey, my voice is different. Hang on a minute. I don't sound like, and, like I don't know. This is what they do. Like, why don't they go to, why doesn't he keep saying, like, McNamara Troy, they did this to my face. Like, look at yeah, their, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot around this, which is kind of like, I guess, last week about, like, well, are they not going to notice this old man's kidneys are missing? And, like, the, the, the nurse left. And this is very convenient. Uh, but, again, we also do know that the Miami PD are terrible police. So, they're off searching for frisk. That's still. true. Um, yes. But, yeah, so there's, there's bits around this because, like, even when his face is burnt, like, his burnt face doesn't look like burnt face man that we saw from the first episode, the first season finale. So it's, it, and like, is it that simple to once you get a full facial reconstruction to then just simply, oh, we'll just put your bones back into shape and you'll look like you did before. So I kind of think there's yeah. definitely some suspend of belief here, but I just love the setup, kind of just the elaborate plans here that Escobar goes to to make this happen of the fact that, you know, he's using Merrill as a ploy to basically, you know, he knows he's going to get released, so he's making him his bitch. So he then basically gets Merrill to blackmail them to come in to see them, and his pl- whole thing is like, oh, all I want you to do is make me look like Escobar again so I can stop being treated like a, you know, a pedophile because I'm the lowest of low here. Make me Escobar. I'd rather spend the rest of my life in jail as Escobar to prove that I was right all along and then I'll be the king of the pile. But obviously he's doing this as a whole elaborate plan to escape, which I just think is great because, like, the thing that I think you... And I remember watching this for the first time. I never once thought that he was... Do- I just honestly thought he was just like, yeah, okay, He just it's a fair point. He wants to rot in jail for the rest of his life. He's never getting out anyway. He wants to be king of jail. So fair enough. So, like, I think the twists in this episode are great that I personally don't see them coming. I don't see what's going to happen with Meryl coming. I don't see what's going to happen with Escobar at the end coming. And... I honestly even kind of assumed that the baby was going to be Christians as well. So it's kind of like, you know, just these sort of big twists that you have coming along here, uh, followed by the huge sort of thing at the end of this episode when Sean finally admits about sleeping with Monica. There's just, this is what makes this episode so great. It's just the reveals are so big and they work so well. And I just, I think this whole Escobar thing is, yeah, you got to suspend a bit of belief, but I think it's kind of, it's a very good plan that he goes to. And you, you believe it because Escobar is a very kind of conniving guy that really sort of works this all this out yeah i think so and i think probably uh, the plot holes that are here um you don't think too much about them because it's worth it for what you get um and i, I guess that's the difference really is that you get such a good character that you kind of forget a lot of the problems with the plot i don't think the problems with the plot are particularly overbearing so yeah i, I can live with it. it it's not something that really bothers me too much um one thing that does bother me is escobar without a beard um because <laughs> 
Yeah. Obviously, Sean ta- Sean takes off the bandages and we see his burnt face, but then Sean has these vis- you know visions of him you know un- unharmed and he's got no beard and it's it's just like the it's quite jarring. It's just one of those weird things because you're just so used to seeing this guy with the beard and then he doesn't have any facial hair and it's it's quite a weird look. Yeah, and I, I, I agree with you. It's kind of your sort of, you, your sense is like, what's going on? We've got, and I love the way they kind of do that quick little editing between like his burnt face and him like without a beard because it's very cleverly done, the way they kind of do the back and forth with the mirror. It's just so seamless. You just kind of, it's very subtle the way they do it. Um, and one thing I do, I do love that line that Christian says. Uh, what does he say? Like, oh, who do you want to look like? Uh, Charles Manson or Hitler? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just that's clever. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. And then, and then we kind of move into the scene with um, Christian working on um, on Merrill. And Merrill's um, obviously had a, a local anaesthetic here, so he's awake while this is happening. Um, nothing quite like having another man work on your anus while you're still awake, I suppose. And um, the song. And, and did, you, did you pick how up on de- how deep is How deep is your love by the Bee Gees? <laughs> yes, I mean, how could you how could you not go there? It's um, Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's so on the nose, isn't it? Well, on the arse, I suppose. Um, but yeah, it's... Um, it, it, it is really, but uh, the thing I really like about this is, you know, we obviously get the the thing about, you know, Meryl's um, loyalty to Escobar, but then we start the, the talk about Kimber, which I think is, is the most interesting part of this to me. I don't know if, if you agree, but yeah, I do like that these two guys who have both been with Kimber and, um, well, you know, I mean, everyone has been, been, let's be honest, but anyway, yeah, that's, that's true. But, you know, when we find, you know, he's been writing to Kimber from prison and, um, you know, then we, you know. Um, Christian kind of fills him in, and you know, I, I I really enjoy that that scene. I don't know what you think about it, but that's my favourite part of it is when they're talking about that. Yeah, I, I will. And just one thing, actually, I just want to quickly backtrack. Just reading my notes, the, the one interesting thing that I found, sort of, just with the the Escobar thing, is kind of his threats to them when he basically is like. I had Alejandro follow you to the swamp, so he knows where you got rid of the victim, and it's like the evidence is there, like isn't that the whole point of them getting rid of Silvio Perez's body so the alligators eat it so there's no evidence? Like, what evidence is still going to be there three years later? Um, so, yeah, And I yeah. do like that line where Escobar says, like, you know, uh, if I was full of shit, you wouldn't be here right now. Um, so, yeah, that's just kind of thing I want to add there. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I love this sort of stuff because it's kind of... It, it's interesting, like, you joke about, oh, who hasn't Kimber been with? But, like, at the end of the day, like... And, like, bear with me, because this is going to sound very mean the way I say this, but you never kind of just assume Kimber's a slut, if you know what I mean. Like, you just, it's done in a way where it's all logical and makes sense. Christian's a slut, whereas Kimber's not, because, like, each time she's with one of these people, like, it's it's done in a way that it's just, it's kind of, like, yeah, the Sean one's sort of random thrown away, but even then it's sort of done for a couple of episodes, at least, where, you know, it is what it is. Obviously, the stuff around Christian, obviously the stuff around Matt, and even just the stuff when she's with Meryl, it's done in a way where she's, you know, it's is what she's doing. So, uh, it's interesting, kind of what we said last episode about how everyone falls for Julia. Like she's everyone, you know, just she's such an incredible thing. I guess it's kind of the same with Kimber too, isn't it? Because you know, at the end of the day, he's Meryl. Three years later, still like, oh, I'm writing to her. She's, you know, she's she's always, you know, got you under you. And I, I love that, yeah, like that situation when he's like, you think that you're in control with her. She's actually in control with you. Um, which is kind of just a very interesting way and kind of the way that will connect in what we're just about to see, um, you know, with, with Matt and that and that scene coming up. But, um, yeah, I, I'm with you. This whole stuff's great. And, uh, you know, who knew a scene of a guy getting an anal retread could be so, pun the pun, deep? Um, <laughs> yeah. I stopped myself I, I there to realise what I was saying. 
Yes, I, I do think, you know, like it used to be, um, you know, in your car, it used to be quite common to get your tyres retreated. And they say it's now dangerous to do that, but, you know, you just you, you should just get all new tyres. I don't recommend you get retreads anymore. So maybe you just needed an all new anus as well. I don't know. But, well, it's um, like the whole trend yeah, of no. anal bleaching. Like, I mean, that's yes. a thing. Uh <laughs> Yes, that's right. Yes, um, it's definitely one of those uh, one of those episodes where you know great dialogue from the doctors while they're kind of working on patients. Because then we move into another great scene, which is you know Sean doing the pre work on on Escobar. Um, a lot of a lot of information being shared between these two guys, considering that there's prison guards still in the room. I find that yeah, <laughs> that yeah, quite interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, but you know um, uh, the, all the stuff's great. Um, um, I, I do find it quite hard though because the guy that's acting as his burnt face guy, like he he looks nothing like Escobar, and he, I don't think he even really looks like the the guy who yeah. they you know they turned him into either. So uh, that's a tricky one, you know, for a show that's great with makeup. I think they kind of drop the ball a little bit there. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It's um. It is kind of strange, but I mean, according here, if I'm looking at the cast list on IMDb, it's got nothing here about there being a different actor. Oh no, hang on, Armando Tis Jorge. So there is a different Ricky Lopez because that's who he was, wasn't he? In the first episode of uh, Nip Tuck, he was Armando Artis. Um, which, interestingly enough, it is the same actor. Um, funnily, it is the same guy who they got to do that. There you go. Um, so that actor, I should say, is Ricky Lopez. So his only two credits for Nip Tuck are the same person. So this burnt face man is actually that actor who he was. So that's kind of interesting. Because I'm with you. I don't think it really looks like him. So that's kind of clever that they've done that. That's props there to the casting department of Nip Tuck. That's very clever. Um, but yeah, I, I, the thing I like about this scene is... Um, and again, I know it's not meant to be played for laughs. It's kind of the scene before with Sean, but like, I love Sean trying to be sympathetic here. Like, like, oh, I've got a bad life too. <laughs> like, you know, Escobar's like, his face burnt. He's been in prison. I know he's like a criminal mastermind, but still, like, he's had a pretty tough life. And Sean's just like, my wife's having an affair and my son's marrying this woman. Um, just kind of the way, like, Escobar's like, oh, poor baby, they lose your shirt at the dry cleaner. Um, And then just, I love just Escobar's reaction of just like, she screwed around, you screwed around, you're both on even ground, you know? Like, you go home, you confess, you bang your wife like you've never banged her before. I'm just like, this is what I just love about Escobar, just the way he doesn't flinch, he's just so calm and cool, no matter what he's put in front of him, so... um. Yeah, fascinating. I find that so fascinating. That is the same guy who was the Armand Ortiz at the end of the first season. There you go. Yeah, yeah. No, so I think that that's that is good fun stuff. Um, I, I, and I think it really shows, like, because you know they get a little bit into you know that he got the cheek implants and all that kind of stuff. And I think you kind of really um, you notice it here because obviously the you know the guy that's that's playing him has the, the much fuller face than than Escobar. You know, the Escobar character. The guy who plays him is is very lean, you know, it's right through the face. It's not just that he's skinny; he's very, you know, there's not much to him. Um, so yeah, no, I think that that is really clever, and it just goes to show what, um, you know, shaving somebody's head and, and and putting a bit of burn makeup on them can can really change their appearance, I suppose, um, as you may expect. Um, yeah, so we kind of move on from that scene, and it's um, Julia's with Matt and Kimbo doing some weird baby silent birth stuff, and um, Kimbo just generally being a bitch, I suppose. Um, um, yeah, so this is getting the whole thing that Kim was kind of in charge, and, and again, Matt's kind of just 
this kind of background character being pushed around. He can't even get the ice water right or whatever the hell it is that he's that he's screwed up. Um, and you know, you can see Julia really torn because you know Matt's um, Matt's struggling with this, and and yeah, she Julia's trying to be supportive and 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 finding it that to be a bit of a struggle. So I I, I do like kind of seeing, you know, I really struggle with the Julia character because I think it does all get a bit one note, and you know, she can just be quite irritating. Um, and this is a good one. I, you know, I enjoy what we get from Julia here. You know, getting back to the mother role, I, I do enjoy that stuff. I don't know about you, no, um, you... but yeah, they're not. Sorry, you go ahead. I was going to interrupt. No, no, I just, I was just, I was, yeah, just going to finish off the scene, obviously, which is Christian showing up and says that he's um, scheduled surgery. You know, he wants his, wants the best for his grandchild, and you know, being all, being all nice and everything. He's obviously got his ulterior motives, which we're going to get to uh, in a little bit. Um, it was a sparkling water, sorry, not the, not the <laughs> ice water, but um, yeah, it's, um, yeah. I, I don't know if you're on board with Julia here or not. I'm glad. No, I'm glad you said it because I was going to probably shocked. I thought I was going to shock you by saying like, as much as I've been down in Jolly Richardson lately, I, I think she's fantastic in this scene. Cause it's like just the way she kind of starts off and it's kind of just like, she's trying to be so understanding and listening and just kind of the subtle little conversation she has with Matt at the sink. And just that whole thing when she's just going off that, like my 18 year old son's baby, he's having a baby with the woman who slept with both his fathers. And just, just the way she like, hey, like this is, yeah, I I'm on board the, Ju- the Julia train for this scene at least. Uh, but this whole scene is just kind of, I just love the way it is. Cause like, you know, going on about how Scientology, again, they haven't really painted a negative light, but this is kind of those things you hear about. Like, I think it's kind of famous about the whole silent birth thing, because that was all I remember sort of with Katie Holmes, like with Tom Cruise, that it was kind of talked a lot about the silent birth. And I think that was one of these things that Brooke Shields spoke out about. Um, and that kind of Tom Cruise and her, I was talking about how they had like this slanging match in the, in the media about sort of saying back and forth about each other. So that's very, you know, renowned out there. I, I do like the bit when they're talking about Kelly Preston, and Matt's just like, who's Kelly Preston? Honey, get me some <laughs> yeah, water. Yeah. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, is that John Travolta's wife? Um, if I'm knowing yes, my celebrities. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, uh, this seems great. And, you know, my beloved April Tuna from Popular's back, uh, Adria Dawn, who I love her. Um, so she's, she's just one of these actors who has just such a distinctive look. Like you've seen her in one thing, you're going to remember her face. Um, she looks a lot better here than she does in, uh, Popular, but I think that's kind of the point. She was kind of this weirdly gross, nerdy character in Popular and over the top. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's weird kind of see like bitch Kimber because like, have we ever really seen bitch Kimber before? Like, she's a real bitch here. Like, honey, how am I supposed... You know, this is sparkling. I wanted still. Oh, I'm sorry. You should be sorry. How are you supposed to care for a baby if you can't even get me water? It's like, holy crap. Well, I think, <laughs> yeah, I think what's quite interesting about this is obviously we've seen her as being the subservient one for most of the relationship with, with um, Christian. You know, that was the whole thing is that he was kind of ordering her around and she never had much agency. So... Um, you know, we're getting a different Kimber here, and um, yeah, we're not meant to like it. And um, yeah, I mean, she plays it well. She looks amazing again. She just—I don't know. There's something about this look uh, of Kimber yes, here, which yes. she just—she looks hotter than she's ever had before. She's weird because we've seen—I mean, you know, particularly maybe in a few episodes ago, and we saw her in her great-looking underwear. But I don't know. There's just something about this look that she's pulling off right now that she looks—she looks beautiful. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. It's uh, pretty rare that she doesn't, quite frankly. But uh, yeah, no, it's um, it's good. And then we, we kind of get into this this fight between Julia and and um, and Sean. Um, I don't know if you're still on board for the Julia stuff after this, but um, <laughs> no. Yeah, I mean, I, I, to me, I feel this is deliberately tried to. I think they're deliberately trying to call back to to what we got in season two. You know, even the kind of he's pushing her up against the wall, similar to he did with the fridge, and you know, like I, I think we are kind of playing it out in, in a similar way. And you know, we kind of get the whole thing about. 
about, you know, did he make you come and all that kind of stuff. Um, oh, which, yeah. I, I actually really like this. I think that the only thing is, and I know you're not going to like it because we do get some moaning Julia at the end, and I know that neither of us are fans of that. Um, but right up until that point, I'm, I'm with this scene. I think it is really good. Yeah, it's it's it's... It's it's interesting um, because yeah it's kind of like as you're saying like the it does remind you a lot of that scene when they're on the plane and the way Sean's berating Christian like did you make a come uh, you know did you do this did you do that it's just it's it, it fits in with Sean's character um, so yeah it, it, it's I Julia annoys me as she kind of does but even just the way she admits that she has an affair though like there is kind of something about it that she actually kind of pulls it off well. Um, but I, I do like, that, like, as much as I don't like Julia moaning and kind of all this sort of stuff, it's, it's kind of an intense scene of the way they obviously, like, will have sex here, which kind of arcs back, like, Sean is a different person when Escobar is around, isn't he? Like, that's the point. Like, he's his devil conscience. And now that he's there in person, like, just going back to that line of, like, you know, be honest and bang her like you've never banged her before. Like, he, he kind of takes that, doesn't he? Like, you know, she admits it, what she, he knows. He kind of berates her with these, like, inappropriately over-the-top questions. But then they just, like, have sex. So, I don't know. There's something about this scene which... Julie's, like, bipolar to me in this scene, but she does does good stuff here, just not the moaning. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I don't think we're ever going to get used to that, unfortunately. It's um, uh, it's not, not her best uh, acting work, I don't think, when she's doing that. But everything else, I think, is really good. And um, this kind of just encapsulates the whole Sean and, and Julia relationship in, in one tidy little package, doesn't it, really, where... Um, they're constantly fighting, but they they seem drawn to each other regardless, and they kind of have this kind of angry sex, or well, maybe not sex, but kind of angry makeout session. Um, I think they have sex. Yep. Yeah. Well, not on camera though. Um, oh, or do sure. they on camera? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was in the deleted anyway. uh, R-rated version. Yes. Yes. I don't think we need to get into too much detail around that, but uh, yeah, then we get into the the Kimber surgery scene. Um, you know, the whole thing of, um, you know, Christian taking DNA from the baby. Um, and here we get this whole thing. Obviously, he's got some ulterior motives here to get that DNA, and he's got the sonogram there and all that. And, you know, um, Linda kind of gives him the look, and he's, you know, when it's your when it's your grandchild and, <laughs> you know, on the line, Linda, you can make the call. And <laughs> Yeah, so, I, you know, I think that that's it's all good stuff. Um, and then, obviously, um, Matt, he tells Matt what he's up to and, that, you know, that he that he slept with, with Kimber and, yeah, <laughs> Matt's not happy about it, as you can imagine. I love Christian in this whole sequence because it's like, and again, Julian McMahon, we're just going to praise him for his acting because, like, you, you kind of know something's up, but just the way he's sort of doing this, that he's so nice and kind of just like, okay, maybe he's not up to anything. But then just kind of this whole situation, this is a kind of a weird surgery. Can we just point out that she's got, like, headphones in, she's awake, she's got something on her eyes. Um, but just the way, like, he goes about it and just, you know, Nurse Linda trying to stone, he's just like, no. And then, like, when he does it, and then the way Nurse Linda's just like, I'm going to tell her. And it's like, you can tell her, I don't give a damn. And then just this stuff with Matt, like, I just love how he plays this off. Like, he's just kind of so calm and cocky and swarmy about it. You know, he's just kind of like, you know, oh, you can be a good father and a husband. You know, you paid the bills. And it's like, he's just being really nice. And all of a sudden, he's just like, you're a loser, Maddie, and this is the latest of a, you know, long list of loser decisions. And that's just kind of like, what? <laughs> it's just like, you know, I stole the DNA from her. And it's like, well, do you have permission? Don't need permission. And just the way he's just an utter, utter asshole. Um, which I, I just, I just love the way he plays. It's just like, God damn, Julian McMahon's good. And again, do we just start on our usual rant about how has he not done anything good since? <laughs> well dr doom let's not forget but um yeah I, I i think it is it's just like 
he's it's just this is just such a reminder to me why we should hate Christian. Like he's just such an asshole. Um, but you know, he just he makes it he makes it work, and you just you never really hate this character the way you should. Um, this is another one where I think um, we haven't given him enough credit for a little while. But John Hensley, I think, does an awesome job in yeah. this scene. Um, He's wearing the most ridiculous suit. I don't know why he's wearing a crazy white suit, basically, um, to, while his wife's in surgery. But, uh, yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, so I think he does a great job, um, you know, doing the angle well, I think, and not always easy to do um, without getting over-the-top melodramatic. So, yeah, no, I, th- I think it's really good. And I love Sean also working in when he's just like, oh, just having a father-son chat, and he kind of just walks off all schwarmy and cocky-like. Yes. <laughs> Was I meant to add yes, anything more? Yes, so. uh, no, I think you, you, you've pretty much covered that, really. Um, yeah, no, so, and, and then we get into the um, the kind of Escobar um, surgery stuff. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it, it's I don't know what you think about the surgery scene. I think this is um, it's a good one. Um, I, I think it's, uh, again, pretty brutal. I, I do love the whole thing when they do the kind of voiceover of the surgery. Um, you know, they kind of lead into it with the good voiceover. You get these um, these prison guards are wanting to come in, and, and they're not allowed to come in. But, uh, yeah, I, I always enjoy these scenes where you're kind of getting the voiceover of what they're going to do while they're doing it, mm-hmm. um, which we've had a few times. And I think it's, it's a good... Um, yeah, it's a good strategy to kind of get a lot of exposition out while you're still seeing stuff. And, uh, you know, I think it was the last episode I was saying, I think that the show does a great job of showing instead of telling. Um, sometimes they do both. And, and I think this is an example where they, they're doing it well. Yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely love this whole sequ- sequence. I mean, we've got the return of kind of our computer modeling system. Well, this is more the upmarket yes. version because this one, it's, yes. you've got a face of Esquire who can smile after he's got his surgery done. Um, but I love kind of how he's like, you know, all burn victims rarely look the same and kind of stuff like that. But, um, I, I mean, just everything about this. Uh, I love kind of when uh, Meryl's like, oh, you know, I'm here helping, you know, make sure that things go okay. And, you know, I've even brought the music. And this is honestly where I always expected to be, like, Cars, Gary Newman, of course. But um, it's, you know, it's still some amazing 80s music with Relax by Frankie yeah. Goes to Hollywood. Yeah. Um, no, it's really good. So good. Yeah, and, and just- then obviously, yeah, yeah. yeah the, obviously, the second half of this is, you know, Meryl, Meryl comes in and um, decides he's going to try and, um, try and yeah, to kill Escobar while he's on the table. Um, and, you know, bring, brings him out, you know, while he's still under, you know, which, which is... Oh yeah, I mean, and that's quite a cool callback to um, the pilot episode as well. Obviously, where um, this kind of happened um, to Silvio Perez, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I think that it, it's a great little callback. It's done really well. Um, it, it kind of giving me Revenge of the Sith type vibes, you know, of this guy all burnt up face, screaming <laughs> while he's lying on a hospital bed. So yeah, I, I think there's that. Um, but, you know, I, I really enjoy all this stuff. I think it's good tension. It's good drama. Um, yeah, it's great. Isn't it amazing how we can sit here and go, this is great stuff, when so much of this is pretty much the first episode, um, but we're not complaining. We think, yeah, it's great, great callback. Yet Star Wars does it in The Force Awakens, and everyone's like, oh, this is just a new hope, this is terrible. Um, so, like, isn't it interesting how we have that in TV shows, but movie? I guess it's different, but uh, I just randomly thought of that. Yeah, I love this whole sequence, though. Like, I, again, kind of going back to what I said about how I'm just not expecting this twist to come about, like the way Meryl kind of just, you know... Is basically like, oh, I'm gonna, you know, make him. How does it feel to be a helpless bitch? And you know, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill him. And they're like, oh, but you'll go back to jail. And it's like, oh, you know how much my credibility will be if I go back to jail and I've killed Escobar Galado. You know, I'll get the respect that I deserve. And just kind of, you know, he's he's basically resigned to this sort of life now. But um, 
Yeah, I, I mean, this is the end for Merrill. Like, we never see him again from this point. He gets taken away uh, back to jail, essentially, and you're just going to imply that he just has the worst life in jail from this point on, considering that, you know, Escobar's no doubt going to rat out to people in prison like this guy tried to kill me. So, yeah, he's screwed. Yeah. Um, and, you know, maybe yeah. we'll take our time to sort of go over, you know, memorialise uh Meryl in a second but I just just the music again just works so well here and just it's tense and just so good so yeah just so good here and I, I do like the fact though that um is a Christian who kind of says like you should have let him kill him it would have solved all our problems uh which is a valid point <laughs> so yeah yeah I think so um yeah you know there's just there's just so much to like about it really um I think it's all really good stuff. I mean, what we we keep going back to these guys are, you know, they're not murderers. Um, you know, they, they didn't murder Silvio Perez in that very first scene, and you know, so I, I think it's true to the characters. I like what you say about that it's kind of an homage to what we got in the very first episode, and and that's that's cool. I, I like that thinking. Um, and there's nothing wrong with with going back to those things. I think that, like we've said so many times in season four, it really is kind of calling back to season one, um, in a really good way. I think that they're kind of taking what worked in season one and, and kind of putting it on steroids a little bit. So, yeah, I've got no issues with that at all. It, it, it's all good stuff from my perspective. Um, and it leads into, you know, obviously we find out, um, get get the, the, the big reveal here where um, Alejandro, his name is, isn't it? Um, he mm. turns up and you know, he's here to, you know, tells the guards he's here to give meds to, to Escobar post-surgery. Um, and, uh, yeah, he doesn't give him meds. He gives him a gun instead. And um, that kind of leads us into... Um, some some pretty crazy stuff. Obviously, you know, we then find out that uh, Christian's not the father. Um, so you know, that's a that's a big reveal. Um, and um, then Christian walks in on uh, yeah some some pretty gory stuff. I think we probably want to want to stop down there and talk about what we've seen there because there's a lot to unpack in these few little scenes. Um, one of the things I really like is the the kind of the way they've made Escobar to look, you know, obviously he is now recognisable as the Escobar that we know, um, but he's got, you know, all these staples through his face. He does look like something out of a horror movie and it looks fantastic. I really like what they've done with that. It just looks so horrifying and menacing. Um, so, you know, I, I really enjoy that. The whole thing of Christian kind of walking through the surgery while there's all these bodies everywhere. Um, yeah, it's, it's all good stuff, I suppose. Once again, we can point out uh, the ineptitude of our McNamara Troy um, reception staff who let this guy wander on with a gun. Um, you know, it's only America. It's not like people carry guns around. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Over to you, Ben. I, I, I love it all. It's all good stuff. I think maybe it's a case of the good all these guards have just gone home. Like, ah, oh, for once, we've got guards. So, like, we're, <laughs> we're safe. Yeah. Um, yes. Again, it's the ineptness of the Miami PD going on here, I feel, at this point. But, um yeah, it's just this scene is just incredible. It's just, you know, from the get-go, sort of Escobar taking off his bandages and just seeing this face of him and, like, yeah, just it looks horrifying. It looks so good. And he's uh, Alejandro, our Breaking Bad guy, of course, um, you know, just there. And he's the night nurse and he needs to change the bandages. And, yeah, just, like, the gun. And I, I, I do like kind of just the scene here where, you know, he's saying, like, oh, you should have let me kill one of them. And it's like, you know, they you know they disrespected my brother or whatever it was. And they're like, you know, oh, you know, I helped them out. This, You know, I'm your brother now. Um, so, kind of, I just I just like that. Um, I mean, yeah, Christian's not the father. Cool. Um, I, I will just quickly say I love how he's, like, all cocky and, like, I'm going to need copies of this to show off to everybody. Um, but I do, yeah, this scene when he's, like, walking, I remember watching this and going, like, oh, what's happened? 
Um, and then just kind of just the quietness of it and just the way he kind of creeps around the corner and you just see like these guards. And it's, it's like the thing that I like about this scene too is the fact that it's not just like a bullet hole and blood. You see brain matter over the wall. Like it's gruesome. Um, and just like the music is amazing. Yeah. And then all just that shot of kind of just the mask with like the blood on it, essentially just sitting there on the bed, like all creepily, like, you know, like some sort of horror movie. And just, like, just how silent it is. And just then we're going to get this great music kind of that goes on and connects into the next scene. Like, this is just amazing, this whole sequence. There's nothing bad about any parts of this episode, really, I think, in general. And just kind of the way this whole ends is just, like, yeah, it's so good. Yeah, it it is great. And then it kind of carries on directly into the scene at Sean's place where he kind of gets home and, uh, you know, him and Julia have this nice scene. Um, She's off for a shower. And uh, then, yeah, he, he, he finds that Escobar's at his house. Uh, he's fully fully dressed now, um, looking real Escobar-ish, um, apart from all the staples in his face. Um, that's good. And, you know, basically he says, oh, well, you know, the, the, uh, obviously we, we kind of get that, that moment where Sean thinks he's uh, in his imagination, which is a nice little callback to what we've been getting earlier in this season. Um, and, you know, Escobar says, oh, well, you know, I'm, I've left you a present, which is kind of payback for me not saying anything about Sylvia Perez. And we we find Alejandro on the couch with uh, a, a bullet hole through his head. Um, yeah, so it, it, it's great. And yeah, obviously the 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 episode kind of ends at that point. Um, you know, um, Sean reports it to the police, which is which is interesting. Um, and yeah, then the the kind of the shocking part of all this is that, you know this is the moment that Sean decides to um, to tell Julia about the affair with Monica, and that that kind of closes out our episode. So. Again, there's probably a lot you want to unpack here in this stuff as well. I just love how this all kind of plays out, just kind of out sort of calm with, like, Julia and uh, Sean. And then just, you know, there's Escobar. And I just I just love how this starts because, again, I think even you and I are sort of like, oh, maybe this is a fantasy. Because, you know, I just love the way Sean's just like, you're not here. You know, this is just an imagination. Because, again, this is kind of what we've seen, Escobar. I love, I think it's very clever in the fact that they've gone out of this way to, to paint this in a way that Sean just thinks it's still part of his fantasy because we're just so used to seeing him as a fantasy figure of his imagination. Um, so it's just great. And just like the acting here, just kind of the, the back and forth between the two of them. And, you know, again, props to Robert Lasado just of how good he is playing this. I mean, again, anytime you see him, he's the same character. But, like, he's just most well known, I think, as we've kind of established a long time ago, that for Nip Tuck. But just, like, I just love the way he's, like, there about, like, keeping his word. Like, a man is nothing if he doesn't keep his word, you know. And I, I, I kept my word. I told you, you fix my face, I'll set you free. Um, You know, and basically, I love it when he's like, it's going to be okay. Gives him a hug. And then he's just like, oh, the evidence is in the den. And we kind of get this creepy, like, trumpet music. And then, again, sort of, like, just the gross scene here of, uh, you know, Alejandro. Brain splattered on the couch. Um, yeah. Which, I mean, my only question here, I don't want to nitpick because it's just a great way. It's like... How, like, at what point has he killed him? And, like, does Julia just chilling and, you know, and you kind of feel like someone's there? Like, he's obviously yeah. killed him with a silencer. Anyway, that's just nitpicking for nitpicking sake. But I just, I love the creepiness of way this ends. Because, like, the way you just kind of see Julia and then Sean's just like, hello, police, I want to report a murder. And it's like, is he about to kill Julia? <laughs> like, and I think, is Julia thinking that? Like, what? Yeah. uh, And then just, uh, you know, no, we're no longer in any danger. Yes, at this address. And just kind of the way, like, Julie's like, what's going on? And then just, I just love the way that Sean is just like, I had an affair with Monica. Like, there's no explanation. He just says it. Like, it, 
again, it's just it's just the way it ends. It's just such just the shock, and like Sean's just in absolute shock. And again, this is like a perfect setup into what we'll get next week with Conor McNamara twenty twenty six. Um, because, you know, in the grand scheme of Connor McNamara 2026, it sort of is the underlying tale of the actual end of Julia and Sean. Like, watch that round table I've talked about many times and that Ryan Murphy talks about this episode and he says that he did this episode the way he did purely to end Sean and Julia. Like, spoiler alert in some ways. But I think it's a perfect sort of cliffhanger setup until next week. And just what a way to end this episode. And now also we've got the, the sort of the looming threat that Escobar's out. Will he keep his word or not? Is he being legit here? Because can we actually ever trust this man? So, um, yeah, just, just so fucking good. <laughs> yep, yeah, and I, I think that uh, we can get into our ratings because I don't think there's going to be any shock here at all. It's definitely a buy for me. Um, it's nice to be back on the buy train after... Uh, um, a, a slight detour to rent town. Um, I'm now back on the buy train, and um, yeah, it, it's a, one of the best episodes of this season, which is saying something. And I, I think probably this starts to fill in because I think what I've talked about this has been such a consistent season. Where I think when I think about like season two and potentially even season one, is that I think that those seasons have higher highs but lower lows, whereas this is just a consistently good all the way through without having as yet some really really high you know, high-level stuff, but nothing terrible either. Um, and I think this is probably one of those episodes that does have some really meaty stuff to get into. Um, this is one you want to watch again, you know. You just immediately want to, like, that was awesome. I need to watch that again or, you know, keep moving forwards because this, this has got me really hooked in now. So, yep, yeah, it's a total buy for me, one of the strongest of the season. Oh, not only is this a buy, uh, I'm going to tell you how highly I think of this episode. Right now, I have this as the third best episode of Nip Tuck in the history of Nip Tuck to this point. So I, that's how good of an episode I think this is. This is, to me, the, the best episode of the season so far. Uh, I've only got this ranked behind two season two episodes on my overall list. Um, so my top four currently right now is two season two episodes and two season four episodes. And fifth place is the pilot. So, um, yeah, I just, ah, oh, this episode is so good. This is just amazing of an episode. And, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm 10 episodes into season two and I've bought every single <coughs> one of them. Uh, I'm on 12 in a row now because I bought the last two of season three. But, um, I, I honestly knew I was going to come into this season defending it, but I honestly did not expect to be on a streak this long. So, um, yeah, and I, <laughs> it'll continue next week at least because, yeah, I'm going to defend the shit out of Connor McNamara 2026. Well, I think the thing is, for me, is that I don't think you're overselling it either. I don't think you're coming in here having to defend anything. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm totally, you know, like, apart from a, a, a minor blip last week, I'm, I've been there with you the whole way through. It's great stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's everything to love in this season. It, it really, really is strong. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you there. Um, I'm uh, as, as of recording this episode, I haven't watched Connor McNamara 2026 yet and that's kind of a deliberate thing I really want to go in you know totally kind of fresh from that because I remember so little about it and you know knowing that on the IMDB list it's the worst episode ever um, whereas you're saying it's, it's actually a pretty good episode so I, I really want to go in and just watch this episode and, and um, not do too much kind of pre-talking about it because I actually don't have much to say I don't really remember very much Um yeah, I'm fascinated to see what I'm going to get on this one. I think I might like it. Um, having said that, I thought I was going to like the Julia Dream episode, and, and I didn't like it. So it, it could go one or two ways for me. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really open to whatever I get next week. So, yeah, I, I can't wait. 
It really is just an episode that you love or hate. I really feel that this does not have a middle ground. I feel you will buy this or bin it. I just, I really do. And I think that it's, I can, I can see why people do not like this episode. And I think, again, Ryan Murphy explains it so well in that roundtable thing where he sort of mentions that, you know, he loved doing it, but he kind of came out of it thinking, shit, I shouldn't have done that. Because he basically says, like, by me doing this episode and not making it like a dream episode, I've essentially set the future. So they kind of, I have to make sure that I write these characters so that they end up this way. Um, and to the most part, I feel he stays pretty true to that in the remaining two seasons. There will be elements to it which aren't going to be true. But I, I also never come out of this episode fully believing that this is 100% gospel. Like, I, I know kind of like with The Simpsons, a lot of the time people complain about their future episodes because it's like, oh, you kind of contradict yourself with what you do here and what you do there. And I kind of think, well, that's a bit of creative leeway. It's The Simpsons. They never grow up. So how can you take this as like actual what's going to happen in the future? Whereas, you know, this is obviously a different show. But, I mean, I've, I've talked so much about just the... the um, just the funny stuff they have with grown-up Annie. It's just hilarious uh, about how they just kind of, like, make fun of her being so invisible um, and just kind of stuff along there. But, like, you know, it's just... I just find it fascinating just kind of what they do with here and what's kind of what would be in the future with these people. So we get some great sort of over-the-top makeup with, like, you know, old Julia, old Christian old Sean, even old Matt, which is like he talked about in our John, in the interview with John Hensley about kind of who he looked like in the future. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a fun episode. Again, I can see why people don't like it. So, um, I just, I just kind of really do like, I mean, it, it is kind of, I'm just actually reading here cause I forgot about this. This is, I think like in a season six episode and generally I kind of black out season six is that, Oh, no, it's a season five episode um, that Sean does mention that this is a dream, but I kind of feel that's Ryan Murphy's way of saying, like, shit, I don't want this to turn out that way. I still kind of like to believe this is canon and this is what they will turn out because we will never get sort of a glimpse. It's not like Nip Tuck ends, like, say, Third Watch does, where you sort of get a montage at the end of how everybody turns out, or Lost even, the other two shows that we're covering. Whereas this is kind of our only real opportunity to look as to what is going to happen to these people after the show ends. So I, I always like to believe this episode is what happens to them, kind of with a few exceptions, if that makes sense. Yeah, I know. I'm looking forward to going into it and um, seeing what I make of it. So yeah, I can't wait. I'll be getting off uh, getting off the call here and, and going straight into watching that one. Well, I, I hope you like it. <laughs> well, I'm sure I will. Okay. <laughs> do you want to close the episode out or do you want to hang or what do you want to do now? We can just yeah, talk I, shit. I, or... I, guess that, I guess that's my job, really. Um, I, I, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, uh, th- thanks for joining us. Um, it, it's been fun talking this one through um, one of the um, the champagne episodes of the show, I suppose. So it, it, it's been fun to bring this one to you. Um you know, we, we would always appreciate your feedback. Um, so, you know, you can find us on all the, the usual social media hangout spaces, Facebook, uh, Twitter. Um, where else are we? Stitcher Radio. We're definitely there as well. Um, we're available on YouTube. Um, you know, rate us on iTunes, all that fun stuff. Um, make sure you do all that kind of stuff. But um, until next time, um, I've been Nick, and uh, we'd prefer it if you just moaned. And my name is Ben, and turn this shit off. I've had enough torture for one day. Thank you for listening to The Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.